time for Holden. Jamie Winkup rejoicing. Garth Tander and the rest of the team absolutely so enthusiastic. The celebrations for Van Gisbergen. What a day for Holden fans. The golden era for motorsport. There's still no better week for petrol heads than this one as we are now just days away from the Bathurst 1000 getting underway. 20 years ago, there was a lap that moved a mountain. Lap of Gods, it was labelled, and it was just one of the iconic pieces of history from a race that produces incredible moments without fail every single year. And this year is even more special as we celebrate 60 years at the mountain. 2023 will be no different. There are so many storylines, and who better to take a closer look at uh, all of them than the man responsible for moving the mountain some 20 years ago in a Kmart Holden, if I'm not mistaken. It is good morning to the guru that is Greg Murphy. How you doing, Murph? Good morning. I'm um, great, thank you. Special week, right? Special week, fair to say. Yeah, listen, you, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I, it's hard to fathom uh, some of the, you know, the numbers around the 60 years um, of Bathurst, um, another milestone reached, and and plenty to celebrate uh, along the way. Of course, you know, it, it is in this this you know this event, this race is the pinnacle of it all and, and, and what, um, you know, supercars, Group A, touring car racing um, has been built on, you know, on the, the legend and the icon of this, of this, uh, this place and, and, you know, heroes that were um, created along the way. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of what got my, you know, interest in the sport was watching, you know, the great late Peter Brock um, doing you know, just meteoric things around there that uh, just captivated, you know, um, so many people and and the place still does today. But, um, you know, it is about history. History is just so, so critically important and, and our, our sport has just just got so many special moments. And, you know, and as you mentioned, I, I feel incredibly privileged um, to, uh, to have had a part in that as well. And it, it really does mean a lot more now than, than you know, than ever before. So... Um, you can't wait uh, for, for the great race. Um, about to head over there, actually, and, and uh, begin the, the pilgrimage up to Mount Panorama and spend the week uh, immersing myself amongst the, the, um, you know, the atmosphere. When you look at the rear vision mirror at the history of this amazing race, uh, and take, take us back to childhood, your early abiding memories yep. of someone like a Brocky, what are they? What, what sticks out? What, what gave yep. you the bug? Well, it, it, it's still, you know quite uh, vivid um i remember you know uh really the, the, my first vivid memory and one that has stuck with me and that that began i suppose my fascination with it all was 1984 um you know i would have been uh, 12 years old i suppose at that point and uh i vividly remember sitting in front of the television with my dad and um seeing uh you know peter brock turn up at Bathurst or that year, that season, but turn up at Bathurst and, and the, the day glow orange and white uh, Marlboro Group C uh, VK Commodore. And and not that I took up smoking from that point on, but it was just this, this most spectacular looking car I think I'd ever seen. And and he went out to, to do most incredible things in that car over the over that weekend. And, and, and from that moment onwards, I was just um, completely, you know, transfixed with, touring car racing in Australia and Bathurst and uh, from that point on yeah just it was uh, every every year and uh, watching on television and, and, and dreaming one day of being able to go to 
the mountain, um, and it took took another ten years before I got there. And the first time I went there, first time I went to Mount Panorama, I was I, I drove a car around there. So um, yeah, quite amazing. Yeah, amazing uh, journey you've had um, throughout the years, and it's been a massive party of your life. Does the magic of race week still sort of make the hairs on the back of the neck sort of stand up? Does it make it any less special now you're a little bit more removed? Oh, 100% it does. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's just one of those places. I, you know, and I don't know if everyone has the same vibe, but I'm sure those, certainly my era that I grew up with and the same, you know, the guys that came through it with, with me um, that I was, you know, in the 90s, you know, the lounges is obviously, and I was very fortunate enough to spend, you know, spend time with, with um, the guy that, you know, I you know, put on a pedestal, which was Peter Brock, was teammate. You know, I never, never raced in the same car. Well, sorry, that's not true. I did race in the same car as Brock at Bathurst, but not at the Bathurst 1000. Um, he and I, uh, Todd Kelly and Jason Bright, shared um, the, the mighty 427 Monaro at the Bathurst 24 hour in 2003 and uh, won that race um, with, with Brock in the Monaro. So, um, you know, we, that was a, a pretty pretty special moment, something that I, I hold dearly. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's just, uh, I think a lot of those guys and the ones that I just mentioned and the, um, certainly the Garth Tanders and, and plenty of others that we've gone through that period together, um, you know, youngish drivers coming through and, and spending time. I think we've got a huge amount of respect for the place, massive, massive respect where I think we all still turn up there every year regardless of what we're doing. And... And just you know, understand um, how lucky we were and privileged we were to to experience that that place the way we have, and 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 for those that have won it, um, you know, be honoured in that way. So it's uh, you know, I'm going to turn up there today or this afternoon, and and um, and and certainly here yeah, feel feel honoured to be there, regardless of the fact that I'm not not racing. How has the mountain changed or, or morphed through the years from a racing perspective, or is that, or is the beauty of it, it still presents the same challenges in some ways than you know, racing 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Well, it does. I mean, we've we've evolved. The sports evolved in many ways. It looks it looks a little bit different, you know. And obviously, cars evolve and development and safety and and the track has has um, had improvements and changes around. Um, safety and and you know there's there's now tire barriers where there didn't used to be there's now concrete walls you know um, separating the track from you know the the banks and the the earth banks and and bits and pieces and and so it, but the the uh, effectively the shape of it is still uh, as it was you know it, it still covers the same bit of ground it's there's there've been big changes on the top of the mountain I think that's probably the most significant thing really um, with the the fans I mean. There is uh, there's people with some some incredible stories about their ventures on the top of the mountain, um, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, um, and and how that's evolved. Um, and it is a it's a very different environment up there now than what it was yeah, 20 odd years ago. Certainly when I first turned up at, at Bathurst, uh, it changed a bit. It's a little bit more a little bit more uh, user friendly, let's say, than what it used to be. Um, but there's you know there's but effectively, Bathurst is still Bathurst, and the vibe and the aura of what it is is still very much the same. And and it's still a it's still an incredible challenge. It is a is a mammoth mountain to climb. Um, I think that's a quote that's been used before. Um, 
you know, to, get, <laughs> to actually achieve and get, you know, get to the end of a thousand kilometres around there. Um, the race is faster now. Um, you know, it's it is the machine is being absolutely tortured for for the entire time. There's no 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 breaks, no gaps. Whereas previously it used to be, you know, how how slowly you could win that race, and now it's now it is definitely how fast you can win it. You know, it was it used to be about looking after the machine and and um, and being kind on it and making sure that it didn't break. But now it's just you know flat chat from uh, the moment. Uh, you get the green light at the start, or the red light goes out, so the checkered flag. So, so, but, but again, the the essence of it and what it means to uh, motorsport internationally is still the same. Greg Murphy is with us as we talk the great race this coming weekend. Murphy, let's take your first um, one thousand as a reference point. What about the tactics that teams use? How much has that evolved? Um, oh, well, strategy has changed. I mean, the so the 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 use of the driver, um, the you know the, the the tools that they've got to to try and you know make better decisions and all that kind of stuff is is probably um, it, you got you know better in some ways easier, but but it's still about two drivers working together. Um, and well, it used to be 500 k's around there, and they used to do it single driver, but you know it's been a two driver race for a long time, so. It's still it's still a massive team environment, massive team effort. You know, being able to click it all together. There's there's more rules and regulations and things you've got to adhere to these days than what there was, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. But but um, you know, that's still a massive challenge, and and it's about limiting mistakes. It always was about limiting mistakes, and and it's and that's what it is. That's what will win this race uh, again this weekend. Will be the the team that has a great combination, who doesn't make mistakes, who's got a car that. Both drivers are comfortable and and you know they're able to um, maintain a, a strong pace and have some luck. And I hate using the word luck, but you've got to yeah. sometimes be in the right right place at the right time to benefit. Um, and you know there's there's always examples of that. Let's get to some of the individual storylines. Craig Lowndes, let's start with him. He's about to equal Peter Brock's record. What thirty consecutive race starts? Can you put into context that number? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, he and I—he'd already done one. Oh no, actually, maybe, maybe we started at about the same time. My first one was in 1994. I think his was 1994 too. I think he was in a V8 in a touring car, uh, V8 touring car. I was in a two-liter car in '94. I'm pretty sure that was his first one. Maybe, uh, maybe not. Is it? Two yeah, yeah, probably was. If it's 30, 30 consecutive, um, you know, it's a staggering number. Absolutely staggering. And. You know, but you know, Lounsey, uh is is you know part of the fabric of that place uh, very much. Um, he's got a uh, you know incredible storyline, amazing success, and um, he's he's one of the greats and one of the natural naturally gifted drivers that has been um, you know such a such an important part of of the history of touring car racing in Australia. Um, you know, and and uh, he always will be. And, and, you know, he doesn't really show any signs of actually, you know, wanting to pull up stumps in that respect and, uh, yeah. on these enduro. You know, he's still still such a, you know, um, you know he's still so vibrant in, in the way he goes about it. And, he, you know, so naturally gifted. I mean, he could still be doing it when he's 60, probably. Incredible. Now, this is where I'm going to show my naivety. Uh, Ford are awaiting clearance on proposed aero tweaks that, um, that they want to make to ease some sort of parity woes. Can you explain to this little ignoramus uh, uh, what um, has the issue been and are they likely to be allowed to make those changes? Um, listen, there's, there's been some stuff that has 
has happened. Um, you know, because of the Gen 3 situation, and it's a new new car, um, and you know, the, it's the closest sort of uh, in the in the design that we've ever had between the two, because effectively the um, both cars are under the skins are, are effectively the same, other than the engine. You know, there's lots of control control items and parts, which makes the cars very similar. So, the 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 chance of having disparity between the two is, is more than more than sort of ever before. So it, it was always going to be a bit of a graft to get the you know the absolute parity sorted, and um, that's what they're going through now. I mean, we're talking tiny little percentages. And difference between them, uh, which makes a difference in performance. So, you know, um, we're talking you know really really small things, but really small things when you when you're trying to paratize such a small differential. Um, that's what it takes. So, you know, I get the point. I'm I'm not you know um, biased one way or the other. I just want it to be a, a fair and equitable contest. And obviously, the Ford guys at the moment don't believe that that's the case. Whereas obviously the Chevy guys are going, you know, you guys are going to do a bit of job. So um, you're always going to have that um, that uh, pushback and and those challenges. Um, certainly when you're on the on the receiving end at the moment, and that's the way the Ford guys feel that they're on the receiving end of of a car that's not not sort of um, as good as what the other one is. So um, you know, little tweaks this weekend. We'll see how they play out. Um, it, it's it's taken. Maybe a little bit longer to get things sorted than what it should have, potentially. Um, but as I say, half half the field believes there's not an issue, um, but probably the results say differently. Just a couple more, Murph. I know you've got a massive day, mate. I'll let you get on with it. Uh, this is always I find the most difficult aspect of this race: some sort of prediction before the fact. At the top of the grid, uh, would you have the Giz Sanway as sort sort of top seeds to take out the race? I wouldn't say that. Um, I'd say they're, they're right up there. Um, uh, I think, you know, um, Shane is, is is obviously a bit of an enigma as a driver, but um, he's he's had a few struggles um, this year, um, sort of just finding his mojo, and, and uh, he's, he's been particularly unhappy with with some of the things around the Gen 3, um, and he's probably carried, carried that a little bit too long. Um, but... His capabilities are obviously unquestioned, and and he and Stanaway as a partnership are, are, yeah, incredibly strong. But saying that, Brock Feeney and and Jamie Wincup, you know, I, I I think Shane, if he if he is in the zone with Stanaway, has probably got a little edge over Wincup and 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 Brock Feeney, the winners of the Sandown 500. But I don't, I think it's pretty small, um, and also. Um, you know they've got the, the Erebus guys who have have been just electrifying this year. Uh, Brody Kostecki leading the championship. You know um, I think uh, those pairings are very strong as well. But then there's a whole lot of pairings that really haven't at this stage um, probably fired as well. Um, and some of them are in you know driving Fords. And so if depending on what happens, you know in the early stages of of um, um, the weekend at in practice, you know, it's going to determine a lot of a lot of things. So I, I find it really difficult to to be too certain about anything. Um, but that is also Bathurst. That's just the way way it uh, uh, it sort of seems to work out. You've got to you've just got to have everything go right for you this weekend. And 
the new car across the top of the mountain is going to be an interesting watch for sure um, because the car's going to handle very, very differently. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a challenge for some and um, it'll be an advantage for others. Lastly, Liam Lawson. Let's look at Formula 1. He might get another crack in Qatar. Um, what's to be gained lost? Is it simply a case of great to see him get more points and heap more pressure on the returning Ricardo, something like that? Oh, I don't even think it's about putting pressure anymore because that decision's been made. It's just personal, you know? I think um, he knows that these opportunities um, were a little bit, um, you know, opportunistic. And I think now that he knows that what his future is in the, in the you know, it's not long term really, it's still short term, um, all he's got to do is just go and be as professional as he possibly can and, and do what he did the last one, beat his teammate and hopefully score some more points and then walk away and go, well, job done. What, what more could I do? And, uh, and wait and see what happens next. But it's a, it's a predicament for the young man. I mean, to be as good as what he is and be, you know, uh, overlooked because of other reasons which aren't about performance. Um, you know, Daniel Ricciardo getting that drive is, is all about commercial side of things. It's got nothing to do with Liam's performance. It's about, you know, an, uh, a guy that's incredibly popular in the sport and um, Red Bull wanting and using and wanting him to get in a, in a car for the benefit of, of the brand and not about, you know, winning races or, or the future of the sport. So it's a, you know, that's just the realities of, of this level of, of sport that, you know, it's not always just about performance, unfortunately. Murph, thanks so much for dropping by, dropping the knowledge on us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Go enjoy a great week. We do appreciate it. Oh, it's going to be good, mate, and uh, look forward to um, reviewing um, next week. Be great. Thanks, Murph. Take it easy, mate. Enjoy. Cheers, Carl. See ya.